you're listening to the City Lights Equipping Podcast, where we are helping you identify your next step in exalting Jesus and extending the kingdom of heaven right where you are. If this podcast encourages or challenges you, please leave us feedback on our iTunes channel and share on your social media to help more people discover the very same things that are stirring you in your walk with the Lord. listener. This is Chris Armfield, my good feller and good friend. Oliver Wong is across from me. Just a little warning. Yeah. He has a cold. It sounds like he either just woke up or he has picked up Lord the Hill habit of smoking. TV and sang the whole unplugged album. Raspy? Raspy voice. Yeah, and that's how you sound. to do that. <clears throat> and I love it. I think it's a little bit of tryptophan from the season of Thanksgiving that might be in your system. Yeah. But make no mistake, Podcast Listener, you are listening to the City Lights Equipping Podcast. Our goal is to consistently help you better identify who God is, who you are, and better identify why you are here on planet Earth every time we talk. Uh, Just to give you a little heads up, this is episode one of a three-episode small mini-series about the topic of authority and power. Today's focus will be God's authority and God's power. We're going to get into a lot of things over the next few episodes, and we're very exciting to bring this to you. But before we jump further than that, Oliver, let's talk about a little something you've started doing recently, coaching some of your children's athletic teams. What season are you in right now, and what adventures have you experienced in the coaching realm? Upward basketball right now. I was at uh, <coughs> tryouts, is what they call those, for two hours Whoa. with a lot of kids, and Leo did a great job as well as Alec. They're both playing as well as Rose, one of my favorite moments ever was in soccer though not basketball okay because when you when you coach soccer for little kids they call it herd ball you know that's what the little three runs <laughs> they just run around and hopefully they see the ball let alone can kick it and not trip but um sweet moments with them i remember the one girl she came over to alec my son and she said hello my name's jessica i think that was her name hello <laughs> she said this is my first sport <laughs> and I was like, that's so sweet. She said, my name's Jessica, and it's my first sport. It's my first sport. I love They're it. They're tender man. little guys out I there. I love it. They're all like, they hug you during the time. Hurting cats. They hug you during they, the time. They sit on your, like you try to do, like take a knee, and they'll come over and sit on your knee. <laughs> like I'm some like, of the players did that? Yeah, actually, like, did that? we're trying to be tough right now. That's don't amazing. Be, don't be sitting on each other's knees and hugging and stuff. I just see, hugging and I see in the visual a huge crossroads of some of these children going from their first sport to. I don't play sports. <laughs> yeah. And others, uh, you know, developing to be quite great athletes. You're a uh, accomplished, I mean, like, obviously you played volleyball in very sure. competitive levels, but then also one of the great markers of your career has been to coach in the Christian yeah. realm of Christian girls volleyball. <laughs> yeah, I got, great, I got pulled in. I wouldn't say that is... story. I wouldn't say that's... Ta- I, don't, I don't think I wear any trophies or titling. I don't think there's any anyone going to write an article about my coaching days. I really did enjoy it, though. Yeah. The problem was, um, I really enjoy coaching at high levels. I like trying to make a, a like an elite athlete better. Yeah. And that just inspires me. But I... I chose to coach middle school girls volleyball. And they didn't come and say this is my first sport, but their parents came up and said, yeah. my daughter can't chew gum and walk at the same time. Yeah. But we're really glad she's here for social reasons. And I went, oh, man. And I had at times 32 girls on my team. Yeah. And there's only six that can play at a time. Nobody gets cut. Crazy. Nobody, Nobody gets, cut, gets cut. But Coach Armfield, that's my name, yeah. um, one of my goals that I learned after season one was Go ahead and serve the ball as hard as you can yeah. and go ahead and hit it as hard as you can and be as competitive as you can as a coach when I'm scrimmaging them. Right. 
And that way, they would never face somebody or face the ball going faster or harder at them than they do in practice. And, sure. it, and it helped. I mean, it really did help. Sure. I will say an official apology on the air yeah. for I've, I broke some fingers yeah. and girls came back in casts because have, if, you, if the ball hits you wrong or right, you'll break something. So I did – I think I – the last season I coached, I think I injured three of my players and they couldn't play again. Yep. Not forever, but just that season. So there are consequences to uh, using your power in situations where the person's not ready to receive that level of power. I was but giving a tennis trying to make lesson. my girls better. I was giving a tennis lesson one time and was serving similar to the same. Yeah. You know, I think you yeah. and me are coming from the same stream right. of thought, the velocity, high, t- high challenge, tough yes. love. Yes, yes. So I just served it right down the middle, the high heat, and it bounced Right outside, it was an error. It was a fault in the serve in the first place. But on the up bounce, went straight into this not the face eight throw. year old's oh. like stomach. This girl. Oh. It was a silent cry oh. for a good thirty seconds, and then a scream cry. For oh the next man! Couple so of, maybe you knocked the wind out of her a little bit too. It might have been. It was bad. It never looks good. Yeah. From the outside, when you're oh, six yeah. foot tall and a little, and you've made absolutely uh, a four foot tall person kind of heal over. Absolutely. The girl's finger I broke, she went up to block me, and I got back into athletic mode, and I think I hit on top of her finger. Yeah, once you turn it on, you can't turn it on. Yeah, because you can, when I used to play at the high level, we would not intentionally injure somebody, but if they were foolish enough to leave a block open, we'd hit them in the face, square in the face, 70 mile per hour volleyball spike. Ouch. Or, uh, or if someone was digging, you'd hit it in their chest Why or face. Why do I hear the sound of Highway to the Danger Zone in my head? Like, <laughs> where is that coming from? Is that from the window? It's just competitive. If you're foolish enough, I mean, it was at high level. If you're foolish enough to leave yourself open, yeah. we're going to teach you why you shouldn't. We're so. going to talk today about, as uh, Chris mentioned, about authority and power, two words that mean a lot in the Bible. They also mean a lot in the world to everybody. Everybody yeah. has to contend with what do they think about the topic of authority and power. And if you're interested in this topic, uh, listen for the next two installments. We're going to do two a month. Um, but you can also pick up a book if you're a reader. It's kind of a deep read and a long read, but Andy Crouch, I found this on Chris's bookshelf called Playing God. Mm -hmm. Um, Great resource for us today if you're interested in hearing more, and a lot of kind of the thought and the roots of what we're talking about today kind of come from that book. But, um, yeah, the topic today is authority and power. What are some things you think of when you hear that word in either Bible? I mean, again, it's not sacred or secular. It's a a universal term, power and authority. It's it's everywhere. Authority... As a 39-year-old man, I don't mind that word at all, yeah. I think, because I've experienced good uses of it. The word power scares me a little bit, though. Just yeah. being just being raw. Yeah. I just listened to you ask that question, and my initial thought was, I don't mind authority. Authority's great. Yeah. Authority protects and blah, blah, blah. But power, for some reason, I didn't go to the good things I could think of, like the power that a police officer has in our city. We love yeah. police and sheriff and state troopers and those type of authorities because they've used their power well. But for some reason, when you said authority and power, I was like, okay with authority, but power scared me. I guess, I don't know, power feels like there's something's going to (laughs) happen versus authority is maybe like safety and structure and power is changing something. You know, that's what went on my mind. That's just raw. I mean, that's kind of off the script, but that's just raw. That's what came to my mind. How about you? I mean, that's because that's really what we use for definition sake today is that power is influence. So if you're saying authority means I know who I am, I know where I fit, I know, you know, what I'm not going to like receive from somebody else. If somebody's going to criticize or take or steal authority sort of says, I know my boundaries and my limits and I know yeah. where, I'm going, where I'm going to stand. But power does say I'm going to invoke change on something or somebody else. It yeah, means see, I'm that's, going to impress my will right. on something else. That's and what that happened for me visually. Gets, gets, Authority is lanes and traffic. Power is 
deciding where you want to go all the time. Like it, one has boundaries and guidelines. One, at least for me, power feels like it's it's always an ability to to go outside of that, you know? Yeah. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my personal feel of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, our culture right now, it's this might not be relevant 10 years from now. I hope it's not, or even a year from now. But yeah. my goodness, mm-hmm. the people who are, quote, I, don't need, I guess they were authority and power, but the way they use their authority yeah. to sexually assault and harass, specifically in the headlines, women, yeah. is it's been unreal and devastating. Right. And just, this is going to date the well, podcast really a little bit, but Matt Lauer... It's kind of been happening. Keep yes. Going. Yeah, go ahead no, it's update. definitely been yeah. happening because some of these cases are decades old. Right. But today on the Today Show, Matt Lauer was announced that he got fired, which he is, you know, different generations think of different people on in media differently but he's he's on the news he's not just entertainment you know he's he's presenting stories that matter yeah but he's been kind of the i don't know if the right word is sweetheart but almost like the prototypical husband for that 30 to 40 something year old woman mentality that's i think that's how they right. view him he's my, my wife that, loves matt lauer loves him. Yeah, yeah she went to the today show and only person she wanted to spend time and meet with was matt lauer cool. but anyway he comes out he got fired immediately today yeah uh, based on sexual assault or sexual harassment. Pretty se- serious, but they don't have any details. My, my point in sharing all that is, yeah. quickly, if somebody thinks about power authority, they might think about Donald Trump when he was running for presidency. Similar accusations came out. You and I, Oliver, have been talking about what was the difference with him. He made it to the White House, and these other people who are just in entertainment are out. Does our government have a lower bar for morality than our entertainment business? That's not what this podcast is about. I mention all that to say, yeah. power and authority doesn't matter what circle you live in, what neighborhood you live in, we are all under forms of power and authority, right. without question. Well, power is, is, is influence. That's what we'll use. And, and we all have influence, and power is, is really everywhere. One of the kind of key points for what we'll talk about today is that power is really bigger and ultimately better than we'd ever really think if, if we think about it deeply. Power is influence. Like, even I thought about today, like, uh, the cuteness of my son Oliver. Everywhere we go, he's he's magnetic. People want to yeah. look at him and talk to him. That's a, that's influence. He's influenced the room. Mm. Um, you know, uh, our our friend Nathan, who I spent some time mm-hmm. with today. You know, we were just walking down the street, and he was singing a song uh, to everyone that would hear it under right. the sound of his voice, and everyone was a, was changed, impacted by impacted it. for yeah. the better. So right. we assume bad. It could mean good. We assume official. It could mean informal or organic. But anytime that you speak, anytime you act, I think sometimes we can overestimate the authority or influence somebody else has on the world and minimize or abdicate the authority that we have on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we have authority and we, whether we like it or not, we are influencing the world. Mm. We're all influencers for our children, for our students, for mm. our employees, for the pe- our, our bosses and people that we work mm-hmm. with. So um, that's one of the missions I think that we'd want to talk about today is just widening the powers bigger and that it's better if it's put in the right hands then we, then we typically think, if we think a little bit deeper about what that word actually means. Yeah, and if, the, if what Oliver just said is starting to whet your appetite, we're glad. That's intentional. We're not going to cover everything in any single installment, but we are hoping to cover the majority of perspectives uh, over these three episodes. And today's episode specifically is going to zoom into God, that God is the ultimate power and authority. So when Oliver just mentioned about what you do personally, that's going to be the next two installments. Really, we're going to get into some of that. And just so you know, podcast listener, we could ask questions to you and we will, like who's the greatest authority and who has the most power in your life. Mm. But we're also going to get close enough to say, do you realize what authority you have and what power you have 
as a human being, as an image bearer of God. So we're going to get there. This is going to be just really helpful. Yeah. I really believe it's going to be helpful. But ultimately, you know, I, I love, I've heard you describe it like this, like power defined as the ability for influence. Powerlessness mm-hmm. is death. Yeah. Uh, lack of power is what we would call slavery. Mm-hmm. There's power in something as simple as what appears to be an inanimate object, like a seed. Mm-hmm. There's power in engines. There's power in a physical cardiac heart Mm -hmm. there's power in words power in music power is everywhere but i I know today is about ultimately all power and everything comes from the divine power and authority which is god and that's really where our topic today is wanting to zoom in well let's open up some scripture here yeah chris talk about mark 11 i'll read it to us and we'll just you know uh chew on these scriptures a little bit and see what god might have to say about this topic on authority but mark 11 verse 27 it says and they came again to jerusalem And he was walking in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Healing, forgiving, preaching, these sorts of things that Mm -hmm. Jesus was doing in the beginning of Mark. He said, By what authority are you doing these? In verse 29, Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, and you answer me. I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, why then do you not believe him? But shall we say from man, uh, then they were afraid of the people, for they um, held John with with really high regard that he was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do those things. So the the subject of authority is discussed, but ultimately not concluded in this this. In this one phrase, it actually is more probably directly um, addressed in the earlier chapter of Mark 11. But we do see the answer is asked, and Jesus does have the answer in him. Uh, And we do see the discussion really talks again between the secular and the sacred, or we would say heaven and earth, that there's an authority in heaven and there's an authority in earth, and it's up for discussion, uh, at least between these Pharisees. But ultimately, Chris, I think if I answered this question and I looked at Jesus as he rode his donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and the shouts were cried out, Hosanna, mm-hmm. you know, in the highest, come save us. Um, from study, from just b- biblical theology and biblical study, um, that was a proclamation. That was a proclamation about not just heaven. Uh, that was a Jewish expectant prophetic proclamation that Jesus is the coming king, coming savior, coming king of heaven, but also the coming king of the earth. Yeah, that's and like, so, it was like, a, we want you for president. Yeah. <laughs> we want you to be our representative of the Jewish people right here in Jerusalem, in Rome, to all of our authorities. It yeah. was a, it was, it was like when the presidency comes up in the United States, you know, in a couple of years that we would literally ride out because we believe in our candidate so much and say, Save us from democracy. Save us from the candidates. I mean, it was, you're right. There is a pulse to it. It, You know, we often think about the words like salvation, rescue, heaven, hell as sometime in the future type of ideas. Um, I like what you're saying there. Jesus is certainly the king of heaven, but they really didn't have that in mind. They were talking about seats literally up on the physical structure in that city that they would sit next to him there. So yeah, yeah, there was a very real affirmation of you are the one on earth in my life right now. It wasn't some faith by and by someday type of idea when they were saying, save us now. Yeah. Well, at the end of his ministry, he does answer the question. We yeah. see the word authority appear in a very significant Matthew 28, yeah. make disciples, key pivotal commandment uh, verse. 
and all authority in heaven and earth has been given me now go in that power yeah Yeah, and authority he kind of jedi mind tricks them and give them this question (laughs) that they get stumped on uh but at the end of the day the answer though he doesn't give it in this verse is uh implicit he is the king of heaven and the Mm -hmm. king of earth uh, which is good news so is it fair to say then everything that happens on earth is under the watch of yahweh god yeah, I mean that's a. I'm not trying to get. I'm not trying to get on a rabbit trail, but and, I'm just saying, know, is that what deeper, we believe Jesus is stating in that case? Deep, deeper theological questions. I mean, I like we. You know, we we see a lot of these parables, right? Of uh, Jesus, and you've talked about this in the Equipping Environment podcast, listener. If you want to listen to um, basically uh, understanding how to read the scriptures, seeking treasures in the scriptures, mm-hmm. that's the last two installments that we've done on the podcast. If you go back, but one of the things Chris talked about is the property of God mm-hmm. and the earth that mm-hmm. He is sovereign over, that He mm-hmm. has power over, and He gives people promises in that earth to occupy it and have dominion. And one of the parables I think that think that leverages that narrative best is this parable, several series of them about this parable of a landlord and his and his property. Yeah. The landlord representing God leaves and entrusts, that's a key word, entrusts property to people. And yeah. uh, so that matters, right? So in, so in Eden, when he says, go therefore and make, you know, name all the animals and have dominion and multiply in the earth, he is saying, this is my property. But at the same time, he's also saying, the people living on my property are entrusted to manage it. Yes, yeah, they're partners. To be partners. And so, in, and I, I guess the way, if I'm, Correct. When I ask the question of, do we believe that he's overseeing all the affairs of earth? Sounds like you're saying, well, he is because we are, or he is through we, he through we, in a sense, like we, that's, that's the beauty of the church is not just converting people to a set of ideas of Jesus Christ and saying his name and believing the cross and the resurrection and salvation and blood, all that stuff's very important, but it was about restoring the managers, the project managers, the completers of the project called Earth, yeah. you know, people and property combination. So I, I, I think that's where we're going to go in the Absolutely. next two episodes, which is stunning of uh, there is power on Earth to do things. It's not people crying out like, God, do something. He's just saying, I sent you there to do those things. Yeah. You know, that's stunning. Yeah. We'll the, get there, which is really invigorating. The parables represent all those things. The parables that you'll see in Luke and Matthew and other places, they mismanage the property. They abuse the servants on the property. They steal from the king. Right. They used their power and authority, which was borrowed, not owned, but borrowed from and lent from the landlord, in this case, God. God's the king of all the earth. Jesus is sitting on the throne. Um, He gives, so here's what matters. So C.S. Lewis said, it's an important theological statement. Why does God allow uh, people to sin or why does he allow people to um, have, you know, free free will or free choice? And C.S. Lewis's response and answer to that is because robots can't love. Um, Mm compulsory love is not true love in itself. So love needs a choice. You could choose out so that you could choose in. So the power of love is in choice. And I would say that that choice extends not only for relationship, but into responsibility. That true plan for the property was that he would come back to the property, improved, developed on, right. the garden would turn right, into right, a city. Right. So if that responsibility is abdicated or abused, it's, it's the cost, it's the risk, it's the price that he, in his sovereignty, is willing to extend that, he would, in the hope that free choice would lead the partnership and betterment of the property, also implicit in that is a choice to not improve the property. Which was given power. Which was given right. power. I mean, you're, you're using that as a choice to do something as an example of power. Yeah, so I mean, other parts of Scripture say this. We've given right. power to yeah. the, the prince of darkness, the prince of the sure. air, and we've given away authority. Yes. Um, so then ultimately, mm-hmm. podcast listener, we want to go on record, all power ultimately comes from God. Yeah. Uh, he's the original. He's the designer. He's the sustainer. He's the one that will 
make all new things, uh, all things new in the end, not all new things. So all power comes from God. And so even though we have the Matt Lowers and the other people in the world who have done things when you haven't been paid what you were owed, they were misusing their authority and power, when you were neglected, when you were made fun of, when you were sexually assaulted, when you were disrespected, people were misusing their authority and power. Just because these things happen doesn't mean that power is evil. And that would really be our myth, is that, oh, any form of power is evil. No one should have power. Everybody should be, you know, I'm all about equality. Well, I get that, but healthy, wise, benevolent um, power or authority blesses the world tremendously. I mean, it's part of design. Uh, In the family, in the family sector, in the friend sector, in the coaching sector, in athletic sector, authority is not a bad thing. Or Authority, really, our truth is, authority is a gift. Mm. To ultimately go back to what you just mentioned, that God got everything started and entrusted it to the image bearers to complete the project so that he would come and, and live back amongst his people in some day. So all power comes from God, big point, just because power has been warped, just like you know, marriage has not been a great example in our country or the world. 50% or more divorce rate right. doesn't mean that marriage suddenly is evil or bad. It's just there's been some things that people have done within marriage that has made it really unattractive and distasteful. doesn't mean that marriage is not a gift. Yeah. It's just how that gift is used is essential. So power is evil. It's a myth. Power is a gift, and it is good is truth for today. I mean, if you think about, like, a child or a baby in the context of the family, they're the, the younger you are, especially if you're an infant or not able to feed yourself or walk, for the first two years of life, I mean, they're at the very, you know... They're your mercy. Their parent. They're <laughs> yeah. at the mercy of every parent. They're very powerless. I mean, even abortion right. in a lot of ways, the, the act of abortion is the act of power against an unborn child. You know, yet right. to be that's born a good child. Point. So that's that's an act of, of, of violence. And so... Mm. Uh, uh, but, the, but, but the reality is, is that the implicit, the intuitive uh, impulse of a mom or a dad of a, of, a, of a family is to leverage that power for the sake of that child's good in a sacrificial way. Yeah. Um, that is the redemptive. When we talk about power being a gift, that's what we mean. By the way, podcast, that's the myth of the day. The myth is that power is evil. The truth to trust is that all power comes from God and power is a gift that can be abused, abdicated, mm-hmm. neglected, but nonetheless is a gift to be used and not to be ignored. Mm-hmm. Uh, power is, is everywhere. And so when power is attached to love, that's the family thing, Absolutely. right? When power is surrendered to love, as love is the higher value, and this gets a little philosophical, I guess, but if you just think about family, and that's when it gets alienating, when power gets put in a um, an, another's interest, when right. somebody else that is against us uses power, that's when it feels abusive. But power is always meant to encourage allow the garden to flourish, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. should ask yourself the question, is power being used the right way? Then asking, is the powerless person, the person that's receiving that power, are they are they bringing more into glory and bringing more into fruition and fruitfulness and health and life? Is that power being extended in love? Or is that power used to suppress and make mm-hmm. a slave of somebody or kill somebody or whatever else? That's really when we start to think about the real use yeah. of, of power. But Well, I, let's take a sidestep. I, I think that this is tracking with me. I make It makes sense. I'm Podcast listener, I don't expect you, and Oliver doesn't expect you to jump from where you are, wherever you are right now, and just make the move to say, oh yeah, God's a perfect authority, and he's a perfect, powerful example, because if you, you have to lift your head up really high (laughs) through a lot of experiences to actually believe that, Uh, because when you look around, even potentially in the last 24 hours, you've been the victim of misuse of power, and Listen, that is not okay, and it is not okay because God told us it's not okay. It's not just so inerrant in us that we go, hey, that's wrong. God, it breaks his heart. But what I want to say is 
One of the things that really helped me uh, two decades ago is somebody taught me to interpret life through two different lenses. There's the one lens where you look around you, pure level, horizontal, and, you know, in a directional, you're looking left to right. And if you look at left to right and then try to conclude with what you see, you are going to end up with a scale system where there's good examples of authority and power and bad examples of authority and power. And some of the bad ones are so bad yeah. that you could conclude that all authority and power is bad. Therefore, even somebody like God, who's an ultimate authority, who's only accountable to himself, yeah, should be feared helpful. and is very scary. Well, yes, you're right. That is a deductive process if you use the examples and situations that you see around you as the filter, as the lens. What, what, what was taught to me is, um, and, and I used to think that way, and so I had all different kinds of ideas about God, and God was only as good as what I could find on earth or imagine until it was proven wrong. What my theological studies taught me is to start with God and who he is and go vertically down from that. And when you see a good example, they still pale in comparison to Yahweh. And when you see a bad example, you see how Yahweh responds to people who are misappropriating, misusing their authority and power. He is not pleased with it at all. Not so much because he's mad at them, but because if they're using authority or power, we're actually reflecting Yahweh God. So when authority does something well, why the scriptures say to honor somebody who teaches you the truth and loves you well, in that way, you're honoring the very image of God in them, and there's a unity in that family. So podcast listener, we want to give you space and grace and say, hey, if it's difficult for you to think of our topic today being God is power and God is authority, we understand that can be challenging for you. If you sift through your examples and experiences, it'll be difficult. By faith, we want you to start with God and realize that any delineation, any move away from perfection of authority and power was our own doing, not his. Yahweh has been consistently patient and merciful with a very rebellious and misuse of power and authority people. And eventually, Yahweh Jesus is going to use his authority and power and put his foot down. We hope he comes back into a a well-cultivated yeah. garden city. But I just we just want to give you a little space. It's a little cul-de-sac in our conversation today. Say, hey, we don't expect you to make that jump. I have to remind myself of this every day, Oliver, because I see tragedy and disappointment on a daily. Yeah. And uh, I've just learned to not, quote, blame God, nor do I realize that is God. And uh, I think the scriptures, when you read it that way, you go, wow, yeah, God was not at fault. He's consistently rescuing, consistently coveting, consistently pursuing. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, the good news about this message or hopefully the kind of lens by which we can look at this that wouldn't feel like a doom and gloom um, is is to understand that power is abused and even recognize in some ways, like you said, that we we probably uh, are victim and fall victim to that on a daily basis, maybe on a continual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other side of that is to understand going back to the garden and going back to the original intent of why we were designed is to recognize the, the invitation to have influence and to celebrate and practice influence in the earth and sort of ask the question, uh, how can I play my part? How can I um, uh, leverage or use the talents in one of the parables that we talked about earlier, use the talents that I have to bring about life and use my influence, however small it is or however great it is, to mm-hmm. use power in the right way, in redeeming ways, in a spiraling upwards sort of mm-hmm. way as opposed to a spiraling downward. Mm-hmm. And I do think if we get into a gloom and doom and I'm great, you, I'm glad that you kind of demarked that gutter because if we get caught in that trench, we can start to internalize that and sort of think that, Oh, everything's always going to be bad. And so I just need to, you know, pull in or rein in my influence or not practice influence or maybe use 
power in a kind of try to fire, fight fire with fire type of way, in a conflictory sort of way, to try and uh, impose my influence of what I think should happen. Mm-hmm. None of those things are the right response. All those are reactionary, horizontal responses. But I do think that if we were to take your your word there to light and really start from the top down, looking down from God's perspective of what he intended on authority and power, we have a wonderful opportunity today mm-hmm. to carry the authority he's given us right. and the gifts he's given us to bring about his kingdom power into right. the earth. Today is not too late. Today is God's day. Today's a kingdom day. Behold, in Mark 1, Jesus would say, the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. Believe the good news. It's mm-hmm. good news today because my, my king's on the throne and I surrender to that king. And as I surrender to that king, not only is heaven being blessed, but the world is being blessed in my midst mm-hmm. because he's not rescuing me from here. He's bringing mm-hmm. his kingdom goodness here because his sovereignty impacts the earth in that yeah. way. When, you know, when I'm hearing you say this, I think of a few real-life examples. One, we talk about the, the practical interpretation of vertical versus horizontal. It's a helpful one. You mentioned abortion earlier. I think that um, this is not a time for us to debate an issue, but to end a child's life because they can't speak and they're not showing much. You know, we're, we're against ending life because that's the abuse of that child's authority and power as a human being and an image bearer. Yeah. And I, I've seen a good bit of people be very up in arms and very strong about anti-abortion, but I don't see those people being proactive for adoption and foster. And mm. so I, all I want to say is proper power and authority at times, uh, part of it might be, hey, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. I yeah. stand against but do you stand for as well? You know, sure. I think, so I would say, yeah, I, I, I don't desire for people to have an abortion. I also want to say, if you've never had a conversation with somebody or somebody's who's experienced those decisions and made those choices, before you go on a picket fence or on a street and protest, make sure you know and hear someone's story up close and personal. Oh, I'd never talk with somebody like that. And then, then you're self-righteous. Right. I'm just being blunt with you. You're right. just self-righteous because we've all sinned and made mistakes. Well, I'd never make a sin like that, mistake like that. Well, that's not how the heaven economy works. There's not a level of sin in that regard. My point to you is, if you're against something, um, God's against some things, but he's, a, he's for rescue. He's for harmony. And so he, he proactively was against sin. So he entered into the story and took the place. Uh, so that's just a practical. The other, the other thought, Oliver, I have is when my wife and I and our family did foster care for about five or six years, you know, every child that stayed with us, we grew to, to love like our own. And especially, we had two placements that were there for over a year. And I'll tell you one of the hardest things for me that really helped this topic come to light for me was we were, we were willing to adopt for sure one of them especially. And uh, it was a teenage mother, and there wasn't a, um, a biological mother for her, but there was a grandmother for her. Long story short, it just it didn't seem like it was a great situation, and, and I could just be speaking in general terms because there's so many stories. I'm not talking about one person's story. Here's what I realized. Our home was able to offer consistent love. In my opinion, God-honoring consistent love, brothers and sisters, healthy environment, smoke-free, et cetera. You know, just, just a typical clean home, not just typical American, just a good clean home. And all the things that DSS, Department of Social Services, wanted for this child but ultimately, DSS used their power and authority to place that child back into a very broken situation at yeah. home. And I remember being up in arms. I remember personally praying uh, for weeks and just going, God, what's going on? I, I know you're the ultimate authority, and I am doing as you have commanded, and I love it. I'm not just doing it to obey. This is right. I want to I help and defend and love and support, and, and I want good for the biological family but they have abused yeah. and neglected. So what do you do? Well, and so ultimately, I had to surrender my... The reason I was able 
to, with good conscience, return these foster children back to situations that I thought were not a good use of power or authority. Underneath DSS and underneath biological parents and underneath their laws, they left seemingly the best place. And I remember the Lord speaking very kindly and gently to me after about a week and a half of protesting with him. And he just said, Chris, do you know better than I do? Mm-hmm. do you believe you're a better parent for that child than somebody else? And I said, yes, God, you know I am. And he said, but you don't know what I know. Yeah. And ultimately, I had to I tell that whole story to say this. DSS is under the authority of God. Mm-hmm. Little foster kids are under the authority of God. And, uh, and sometimes his ways are different than yeah. we think the, quote, best ways are. Well, well here's the other thing. I mean, when I, when I hear DSS, I think, of, I think of system. I think of bureaucracy. Um, it is... It is kind of application or program, but ultimately is rooted in in law. Yeah. I think when I'll just I'll cut to the chase and kind of back up and, and talk a little bit more about that. But I think when you see a system trying to care for widows and orphans, mm-hmm. to me that's a statement that says one, the world's still broken. Correct. But two, the church mm-hmm. has some way, in some part, had must have abdicated or has not yet. The kingdom of God is not yet developed in that way for church, the church, not the building, the church people, right. for the church, the church of God should be the carers, the caretakers of those widows and orphans. So when you say negative and anti-abortion right. and right. pro-foster, pro we're on a journey and the yeah. church is hopefully growing brighter, not dimmer. The church is the light of the world. Right. So, and the one way I can look at it is doom and gloom and hopefully it be put at peace and at safety, the fact that God's sovereign over every system. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that's an invitation to me to say, mm-hmm. God, how are you asking not systems, but but the actual right. church right. to move into the world? Because when we get to heaven, we won't need foster care. Right. That's reality, Absolutely. right? So if we're bringing heaven to earth, that should not just be a statement that I learned to you know, deal with. That's where I start to find peace in the midst of darkness, but also find the light that might counteract that peace. I thought mm-hmm. of this is an important piece that I wanted to make sure to bring in. But when you talk about the, the, the origin of power is Genesis 1 when he says, let there be light. That's the initial impulse, influence, right? That's the initial God was at the beginning, then he influenced the darkness to come into light. And then he made creatures and so forth. What he's not saying there is darkness, get out of here. Mm-hmm. What power isn't is destructive, anti-whatever's here. That's not what real, real power, that's kind of uh, underdeveloped. True power, God power, Genesis 1 power is always creative in nature. Bringing things it into always, life. Right. Mm-hmm. It brings things into life. So it's, it's not saying get out of here, darkness. It actually doesn't even address the darkness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't criticize the darkness. It doesn't judge the darkness. Mm-hmm. It just says, light, be here. Right. And that's exactly how powerful it is. So if we are uh, uh, a people on a property underneath the presence of God, if we're creating things in exec and we're getting into next week, but if we're executing this power the way he does, we're not just, again, like you said, criticizing the anti-abortion or criticizing the system uh, that's mismanaging foster. We look at that and say, where's God going to show up in the kingdom of, of light and bring about creative, mm-hmm. redemptive work in the in the earth? Mm-hmm. And so that's it, it. what used to be um, crushing, weight-bearing, you know, destructive and, and discouraging now becomes an invitation mm-hmm. and influence and power. Well, what you just did in my opinion, is you just brought a full swing, a full swoop, if you will, of saying that there isn't an us and them. Yeah. What I mean by that is I've been around Christianity long enough. When my early years of Christianity, it was those people, whether that's race or decisions they make, the drug addict, the promiscuous person, the person who's poor with their money. It's those people. And we, we literally left yeah. those people. We, I'm talking about as a church culture in America, 
we leave those people to their own decisions and consequences to figure it out themselves. And like, for example, when you said there's no foster care in heaven, those people would have said, there's no foster care in heaven because everything will be perfect there. And the foolish conclusion was, we're going to let them do their thing, but we're going to create our own society of perfection where we don't need foster care. There's no child in foster care at our church. We're doing it right. Right. As though the world, total separatism, us and them. There's us and then there's them, which we just, if you haven't been around City Lights or around Oliver or I, we know none of that. There is no separation of secular and, and sacred. This, the, if there is a secular, it's an invitation for the sacred to come Amen. in, not yeah. as in pious clothing and self-righteousness, but in humility and surrender, like our sweet power and authority figure, Jesus. Yeah. How Jesus did things. He went to the, quote, them, because the Pharisees were the ussies, and then the them, he went to them and said, they're in too. And actually, you're not, because you say that they're not. So I, I just want to highlight for a moment so what was just... What you just talked about is so significant. It's that the issue in my neighborhood or the neighborhood next to me, mm-hmm. just because it's a different subdivision, is still my issue. Mm-hmm. The issue in the house three doors down, though it's not my family, is still part of my family issues. Yeah. And if you're like, wow, that's, that's radical, that's too much. Like, no, that's actually the partnership after the world got broken the people of God have been given the power and authority to restore it all. Yeah. So there isn't trash on the street that's not your trash. There isn't a foster child that is not your foster child. I mean, yes, we mean it. We mean it. So don't get exhausted. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. But everything is on the agenda to bring redemptive power and authority into. Yeah. So much more to talk about, podcast listeners, in the next couple weeks about what is, when we talk about, okay, there is good and bad. Next week, we're actually going to try and define that a little bit more and look at Jesus' life to talk about him being the only and good righteous authority um, in the midst of, of darkness. And then in the following week, um, we're going to get into some of the practicals. It says in Luke 2.52 that God grew in wisdom and in stature, I would say, even in authority of, of heaven and on earth. And so how can you grow and cultivate authority? At least mm-hmm. use it so it's not abused, the authority mm-hmm. that you do have. But I do believe you can grow in influence. You can grow in authority. Yeah. That's why we can grow sure. in our leadership and grow in our wisdom and so forth. Sure. So how do we become not only partakers, but, but growers uh, of authority and power? These are all really great certain questions. So I would just say as we as we look towards the things of next time, your main thing that I think Oliver and I really want you to lean into this this session and this episode is simply would you spend some time thinking, journaling, meditating, praying and reading about God and his authority and power. Meaning uh, when you're reading through the scriptures, just ask those questions. It, the, the passage might not be overtly about that, but write about it. I mean, read about it. In journal, like how do you think, when you think of God being the authority and power, ultimate one, how do you feel? What do you think? What What's a distraction for you? Why is it hard for you to submit to him in that way? Because listen, the next two sessions are going to come down to things like, do I fear authorities more than I fear the authority of God? and Or respect versus... And it's ultimately going to consistently be tied back to how you view God. Mm. If you view God in the proper context of him as being the ultimate authority and power, you, like Jesus, will be able to say, oh, no one puts me on this cross. I do this willingly out of authority and power. I willingly surrender myself. We want to get you there, podcast listener. So don't just want to get through this one and go, oh, I just want to get to the one where you help me understand how to use my authority and power. I can't deal with other people, especially God. Mm. You will not be able to appropriately... I don't think you can do those uh, two You things. can't. Yeah, you can't. can't you can't. Yeah. There isn't a shortcut here. It's worth the wrestling. We promise. So your main assignment, 
we're holding back from giving you more questions. Your main assignment is think with the Holy Spirit about the power and authority of God and bring in your struggles. That's okay to do that. People in the scriptures are like, God, why are the nations conspiring in vain? And why are they doing this? And how come they're getting away with that? David was asking God in Psalm 3, why is this all taking place? So he was asking power and authority questions of misuse, knowing that God was the ultimate. So we commission you into that. We pray over you in that direction, and we really look forward to better understanding who we are as representative image bearers of power and authority in a broken world. Mm. You are meant, podcast listener, to bring the healing balm, to bring restoration in the world, not as a passive thing saying, Jesus, return, but actually uh, wooing Jesus to return through the restoration that you bring as a person of God. Yeah, my benediction today would be um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Mm -hmm. and Jesus is the king that's on the throne. He's yep. the true king. Yep. And that's good news because he's a good king. Yep. So, adios for now. Sayonara. Yes. Blessings. Yep. We'll see you next time. And Oliver will probably not be as scratchy. I hope not. <laughs> see ya. Adios.